0: Lord, for thy grace, that we might dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21 year book by book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This life study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Without question, one of the truly mysterious books of the entire Bible is the Old Testament book of Job. This Old Testament book tells the story of a righteous and godly man who seeks God's upright ways diligently and who, as the story begins, seems to have God's fullest blessing as a result. Great possessions, wonderful, prosperous family, immeasurable wealth, and a person who has the respect and esteem of all who know him. But suddenly, tragedy strikes this one, and bit by bit, his wealth, his possessions, even his family, his good name, and eventually even his health are stripped away, Job's friends are mystified, as is Job, by what has befallen him, and they engage in lengthy and eloquent debate, all centered around one key question What horrible sin or mistake must Job have committed to bring upon himself such judgment from the righteous God? Well, this is the natural, common, typical understanding of this book, and perhaps we've read it and pondered these same questions, and really, The Bible is quite interesting in that it doesn't give us a direct answer to this. But the real hidden rich and wealth and meaning in this book will startle and surprise you as we prepare to open it up in these coming days on Life Study of the Bible. Francis Ball has joined us for the first program, the Book of Job. And Francis, I think, in all of the ministry of uh, Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, perhaps none is more striking than the light and insight that come to the book of Job. It really is a key book, isn't it, in terms of understanding God's economy?
2: I certainly agree with this. I think without understanding God's economy, even Watchman Nee and Witness Lee would not have known how to interpret this as they have. But the fact that they saw God's economy makes it clear that there is a way for understanding what happened to Job and what his discussion and his argument with his three friends include.
1: Well, let's begin. I've selected just a portion of the first few verses. It gives, as I said, gives a good background as to the kind of person that we are dealing with here, the kind of person we find in Job. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and this man was perfect and upright, and he feared God and turned away from evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him, And this man was greater than all the sons of the east. And his sons would go and hold feasts in each one's house, each on his own day. And they would send word and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of feasting ran their course, Job would send word and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their heart. Job did this continually. Francis, this is not somebody who is uh, apparently upright and uh, just, but the Bible says he was perfect and upright and feared God then gives us this wonderful illustration of a man who really is godly in his pursuit, isn't he?
2: Very godly because he was following the revelation that he had. And this was probably written about the time of Abraham. And offerings were offered at that time, yeah. For this cause, for this purpose, just like he offered the sacrifices in behalf of his children in case they had sinned against God or cursed God. So he was a man who was really for God, a righteous man, and the principle of what is good and what is evil, he was a good man.
1: Yes, he was. Uh, it's good you should bring that up because this matter of the principle of good and evil becomes a dominant theme, as we'll see. Why don't we join Witness Lee with the first section of the Life Study of Job.
0: The life study of the uh, book of Job is not so easy because Job is an ancient book. It was written 2,000 years before Christ, probably at the time of Abraham. In this book, Satan, as the enemy of God, is a real mystery to us. Why Satan still has not only the freedom but also the right to go to God's place to attend one of the councils held by God with his angels. Who can explain this? According Revelation 12 This right will be taken away at the beginning of the great tribulation. Amen. Because when the overcomers will arrive at the heavens, they will chase away Satan from the heavens and cast him down to the earth. It will be from that day, the beginning of the great tribulation, Satan will lose this kind of right. Anyhow, no doubt, according to the record of Job, Job was the real one who suffered Satan's hatred and persecution. Job was the writer. This was confirmed by God's word in Ezekiel and Job's name was also confirmed by James in his epistle 5:11
1: Francis a, a very kind of preliminary section here a little bit more background uh, but it's interesting that we see uh, a key Early on in this book, uh, if we uh, look further in chapter 1, I read portions of the first five verses. The sixth verse says, Then one day when the sons of God, who are the angels, came to present themselves before Jehovah, Satan also came among them. And Jehovah said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered Jehovah and said, From roving the earth and going about in it. And Jehovah said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Very interesting. Uh, The Lord doesn't send him away or in any way act like uh, Satan doesn't have the right to be there. Uh, So this is uh, in itself the first kind of insight into the book, isn't it?
2: It really is. And I pondered this quite a bit because Brother Lee brought out that he, how come Satan would have the right to come there? He even called it one time his civil right. Yeah. But I think we have to remember that God himself anointed Satan as the highest cherub And the heavenly bodies, that is, not the stars, but the heavenly angels. So God's way of doing things is to do it because he's God and he's sovereign. And he did that so he doesn't take it back, but he lets him go and damage himself. He rebelled against God very, very early. Even in the heavenlies, he rebelled against God, and he came and caused man to sin. All these things were the result of him having that kind of liberty and that kind of right. But God did not remove him from his position. I think we have a lesson to learn here. Our responsibilities that we get from God are not uh, there because we've attained to something, but it's because of his sovereign choice. Mm -hmm. And if we damage it, it's our own doing. This is what Satan did, and eventually he will be cast out of the heavens by the overcomers, Right, and he'll be cast down to the earth, and eventually the whole body of Christ will deal with him in the coming age.
1: Yeah, he makes mention there that that removal of this so-called civil right of Satan's uh, doesn't take place until the end of this age, as you said, uh, near the time of the Lord's return when the overcomers Uh, Cast Satan out in Revelation chapter 12. It says, now has come salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers has been cast down. And here we see the accuser in God's presence in the heavens, uh, in the heavenlies, in Job chapter one, very much there. And he, as we'll find out in programs in the the days ahead, very much involved in the accusation work, isn't he? I mean, this has been his occupation for a long time now. (laughs) That's right. Well, the book goes on, and uh, it really uh, centers on six key figures in the book, Job and uh, some of his family members and friends, uh, and a young man named Elihu. Why don't we hear a little bit about these and get a little more background uh, of this very fascinating book. Here's Witness Lee for our second portion. This
0: book is the record of the talks of these six parties. Job, his dear wife, Job's three good friends, and then the young man, Elihu, this is altogether six, plus God. The law was not given yet, but their talks were based upon the principle of good and evil. That is of the second tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is why in their talks, they always involved God's judgment. The three friends held a kind of logic that surely Job was wrong in some aspect. If he was not wrong, Maybe be that his children were wrong. Otherwise, there would not be that kind of things occurred to them as judgment from God. Why God judged human race? Because God, according to his economy, created the universe. So God has to Govern to rule, so he has to judge. God desired that man could express him, so man must be under certain kind of a rule. Romans 2 tells us clearly God judges, and God will judge. And for this judgment, God charged a man to do it. And this man was Jesus Christ. Sin or later, all will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Timothy 5 tells us some sins of certain persons come to God's judgment first. Some sins of others will come later to God's judgment. But it does not mean God will not judge. And not only so, Romans 8 tells us the entire universe is undergoing and subject to unslavery. That is also a kind of a judgment. So sometimes you just suffer the natural calamities, even though you didn't commit anything.
1: Francis, there's no doubt that uh, the matter of God's judgment is a big and genuine and real thing, um, not just in biblical times, even in our own lives and in the age in which we live. Uh, and Job's friends come together, and they look at what's happened to him, and they immediately begin to discuss and debate. Uh, always are centered around this matter of God's judgment. This must be God's judgment. Otherwise, why would these horrible things have happened? But Witness Lee said something I'd like to ask you to comment on. He said all of these discussions... All of their talks were in the principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For those who maybe haven't been with us that long in our uh, Life Study of the Bible listening audience, what is the principle of the tree of knowledge of good and evil?
2: The principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the garden at the same time that the tree of life was there. And God had told Adam that he could eat of all the trees of the garden freely, but Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he must not eat of that tree. If he ate of it, he would surely die. But Satan, characteristic to his rebellious nature, came to Eve and said, You will not surely die. But this principle has maintained all over the centuries because it is a principle of this world. It's the principle of Satan, I would say. Good and evil, good and evil. So these nearly always are considerations. Is this good or is it bad? Right. That is the principle of natural understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And this is what was governing these uh, friends of Job when they were trying to decide and help him to decide why these calamities were coming upon him.
1: Yeah, because in our uh, natural thought, in our typical consideration, uh, as we are weighing these things, the consideration of good versus evil, we always associate good with God's blessing, and uh, we associate evil with uh, God's judgment. Uh, So their consideration of this obviously fell into that default setting of the natural man, of the natural mind. Um, But as we come to the New Testament, and we'll see that a little bit in this portion, uh, the final portion just ahead. When we get to the writings of Paul, a whole other possibility uh, sort of emerges, and we realize this th- new possibility, not just good or evil, has been there all along, as you said, all the way back to the garden and the tree of life. Right. Let's look at a verse in uh, Paul's writings, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And as we were talking earlier about all of the... Uh, philosophical discussions and speculations concerning the book of Job, it's interesting how, in just a few short words, Paul really cuts to the heart of it and really strips away all of the uh natural thinking and really comes to the center of god's economy, doesn't he?
2: Yes, he does
1: he says, "I also count all things to be loss on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, on account of whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse." that I may gain Christ. There's the key, isn't it?
2: Yes, that is the key. It's not a matter of good and evil. It's a matter of gaining Christ. And the judgments that seemingly come upon us from God are something much different than uh, our natural thought is that he's judging us for the bad we do and he's rewarding us for the good that we do. No, what he is doing in his judgment, and God does judge, in his judgment, he is working on his believers or his saints to allow them to have Christ as life.
1: Mm. Well, that's the point, and we'll hear Witness Lee say it, and then we'll come back and talk about it some more.
0: Job's three good friends, they became debating. This one had a view on certain points, and the other one held another view. So much debating just because of the different kind of views of God's judgment. It is evident that they, the friend of Job, did not see the passive aspect of God's economy in dealing with his holy people, including Job. And what is the passive aspect of God's economy? God wants to shape, not judge, that you may gain God. You may gain God more and more. The hardest thing for people to understand is the content of this book. The Friends of Job even including Job, they didn't see anything about God's stripping. They only know God's judgment. Whatever is recorded in Job as a kind of suffering to Job was not God's judgment. That was God's stripping. You have to forget about the word judgment. But the trouble is this, not only at Job's time, his three friends, Job, even through the 40 centuries, all the people who read Job hold the same kind of logic. Job suffered. It must be something that God punished him. No one, including us, have the concept that God quite often strips you. You were nothing wrong, but all of a sudden, something happened to you. God stripped you. Have you ever, in your kind of logic, the word stripping? Before 1932, I never had such a word in my dictionary. Stripping, what's stripping? In my dictionary, it's just judgment, punishment, chastisement. I learned the word speaking of Brother Ni, When he used the word, I said, what is this? If you read Job, Job repented, saying, in the past I heard about God. Now I see God. We interpret that as I gain God. What is to gain God? In Job, It was a little part of the Revelation, but not so complete, so perfect, so clear as what Paul writes in Ephesians, Maya, Colossians, Galatians, and Philippians. Just these four short books you read through. You could see something. My, what view is this? Now, what would you say if you are asked what is subject of the book of Job? The subject is the purpose of God dealing with his holy one. What is this purpose? The purpose is that God wants to save you of all things that you may gain God. You may gain God More and more.
1: Francis, I think to many people, um, this term, this thought, this concept is absolutely new. They know to believe in God, believe in Christ, to appreciate Him, to love Him, to honor Him, to worship Him. How about to gain Him, though? This is another thought altogether, isn't it?
2: I believe this is the most important point of experientially that's brought out in the Lord's recovery in the ministry that we've gotten from Witness Lee and previously to that from Watchman Nee, that God's dealing with us is that we may gain Him. We lose these things, which are our possessions, our importance, all of these things may be stripped away from us, but the purpose of that stripping is not to judge us, but to make room for God to be in us to grow in us, to be everything to us. Until we can live Christ, we would not have uh, a freedom from this stripping. He keeps stripping away everything until only He remains, and He becomes our life and everything to us. Then the stripping ends. God will judge, but He doesn't judge in the way we think. He judges in order to make room for Himself in the human being, in the human heart, in the human living.
1: You know, there's an old story that uh, uh, Watchman told, I can't recall which book of his it was, but he he talked about a parent whose uh, child was uh, holding on to something uh, they shouldn't have been holding, even perhaps a a poisonous substance. And the parent was very wise, because rather than um, just go forth and jerk it out of its hand and, and risk the child running away and drinking the bottle, whatever. He offers his child a piece of candy, and of course the child lo- lets his grip go of the poisonous thing and reaches out for what he perceives to be better. In a sense, this is somewhat like the stripping. There's, we can only have so many things in our hands at once, and if our hands are full of our self, even our good self, even our upright, uh, proper character, our proper Christian character— There's just no room for God sometimes, is there?
2: That's right. Even if we have the reputation of Job among us Christians, still there are many things that are occupying that need to be stripped away. God is very good at stripping everything away from our possessions so that he alone will remain.
1: Of course, sometimes the Lord's stripping uh, does come in a rather abrupt uh, fashion and we don't get the offer of the uh, the piece of candy and we're just left there at times to ponder with it. But when light comes, we realize if the Lord has taken something, that means he wants to replace it with more of himself. There really is now presented to us the opportunity to gain more, as Paul said, of Christ.
2: Yes, whatever we lose under his stripping will cause us to gain more of Christ. Mm. And this is his purpose until eventually We will be not only regenerated, we're being transformed, we're being conformed, and we will be eventually glorified with him.
1: Well, that's the topic of this life study. We'll have uh, plenty of days before us to get into it and develop this thought more and more, and we'll have much rich ministry from uh, Witness Lee as he opened this matter up in such a marvelous way. Hope you'll be with us for all these programs. Let me give you our toll-free number and invite you to contact us so that you can get for yourself the printed volume of the Life Study of Job at toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. This program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Knee, please visit our website, LSM.org. Again, that's LSM.org. Thanks for listening today.